Okay, so there's a young guy named um, John. He received a parrot as a gift. Trouble is, the parrot had a really bad attitude and a worse vocabulary. You ever come across a parrot like that? Probably have. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious and full of profanity. John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words. He played soft music and anything else he could think of to clean up the bird's vocabulary. Finally, John was fed up with the behaviour of the parrot and he yelled at him. The parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot and the parrot got angrier and even more rude. John, in desperation, he threw up his hand, he grabbed the bird, opened the freezer door and chucked it in the freezer, closed the freezer door. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screeched and carried on, and suddenly there was total quiet. All went very quiet. Not a peep was heard for about a minute. John got a bit worried, fearing that he'd hurt the parrot. He opened the door and out stepped the parrot onto his hand. The parrot calmly stepped out and he said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I'm sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable attitude. As he was about to ask the parrot what had changed his attitude so quickly, the parrot very softly spoke up and said, "Um, may I ask what the turkey did? Living in peace is what I've titled our message today. Living in peace. Did you look in the mirror this morning? Yeah, I guess a few of us did. What did you see? (laughs) Did you like? (laughs) Did you like what you saw? Sometimes it can be a bit of a shock, can't it? Um. In James, James talks about looking in the mirror. In chapter 1, 10 to 25, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, unlike that parrot. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror 
and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. For some of us, um, we'll probably never forget what we look like. Immediately forgets what he looks like, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. What do your family, your friends, your acquaintances, strangers, what do they see in you? What do you reflect? Let me give you some background. We're going to be looking at Daniel again. Last time I was up here, um, I spoke about Daniel, and I've come back to him again. Um, Daniel, Daniel was a young teenager when he was captured and taken into exile. He was taken to Babylon which is the city of Babylonia, 2,400 kilometres from home, away from family. I don't know whether he knew whether his family were even alive anymore. He was taken to the the city of Babylon. And for those who are a bit geographically and historically minded, Babylon ruins are still... Um, are still able to be found, and they were located 85 kilometres south of current-day Baghdad. Anyway, he's taking into this strange culture, into this strange country. It was a different culture. It was unfamiliar with him, and he was asked to conform to that culture. The Babylonians worshipped a different god, was not the God of his land. It was not the God of his people that he'd been brought up to believe in. Back in Psalms 137, there's a lament written by, I'm not sure who, but this is a lament of the people who were taken captive to Babylon, exiled. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept, When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Just a lament of those who had been carted off into exile. However, despite all of this, Daniel had distinguished himself over many years. He was known to possess uncanny wisdom, practical judgment. He was known as a man of high integrity. He was known as being very honest and blameless. And he was calm and peaceful. He was measured. 
And he was faithful and a gracious man. And as you read through Daniel, you pick all that up. He had the spirit of God within him. Daniel served under three kings. The first one was King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar lived for or reigned for 43 years, and Daniel served under him for quite a long time, probably around about 40, 40 years or so. Then he served under King Belshazzar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son, for two years. And then he had another upheaval come along when um, the Medes and the Persians overnight invaded Babylon. And they took Babylon without a fight. King Belshazzar was killed, and Daniel had prophesied that in uh, chapter 5 in Daniel. And King Darius was the next king, and he was a Mede from the Medes and Persians. The Medes and Persians invaded and defeated Babylon. The Medes were from the mountain country of what is now um, northern Iraq. Again, for those who may be interested. Um, Descendants nowadays, I believe, are the Kurds of the uh, Medes. So you had the Medes from the northern country and then from south and central Iraq was Persia. Persia and the Medes formed an alliance and they conquered and occupied a huge area of Middle East. And again, just for your interest, um, there's a map there of the Medo-Persian Empire, that orange there, which was a huge area. It was taking in from the east, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria, um, Jordan, across to Turkey, Israel, Egypt and Libya. A very large empire, the Medo-Persian Empire. So we're going to have a little look at um, chapter 6 of Daniel. And I'm going to read, um, read through some of it, down to verse 9. <clears throat> it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So 120 satraps. The satraps were made accountable to them, to these three guys, one being Daniel, They were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Make him prime minister. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Obviously, very jealous. We can't have this bloke ruling over us. But they are unable to do so. They are unable to find any charges against Daniel. 
They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps, they got together and they came up with a little plan. They went as a group to the king and they said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors, we have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce this decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And back then, that was the case with the the Medes and Persians. Once the king had made a law, it could not be annulled, it could not be reversed. It was law. It was set in concrete. So King Darius had been hoodwinked here. He put the decree in writing. Even though Daniel, it seems, lived a faultless life, he was a despised man. The king was keen to promote Daniel to prime minister because he showed no dishonesty, there's no corruption, he was completely honest. But his colleagues, Daniel's colleagues, were not real amused about this. What was it that his colleagues couldn't stand? What was it that they hated about Daniel? They couldn't stand the fact of his unswerving commitment to God. He was taught and learned as a child to be faithful and totally committed to the God of his forefathers, to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He'd learnt that, he'd been taught that. Daniel displayed an unshakable conviction in the power and majesty of his God. And as you read through Daniel, through those, um, starting at chapter 1, and reading through there, his conviction in his God, his faith in his God, is just unshakable. Everything he did was in service to his God. Is that what people see in you, in I? Do they see an unshakable conviction in in God and his word? Do they see that we believe that he has the best interests of ourselves at heart? Do they see that we know we are safe and secure in him, that he alone gives complete peace and joy? Do they see that we understand and believe that he is in control of our lives? 
Daniel's faith made his colleagues uncomfortable. Daniel lived and believed that his God was the true God, the only God. And he was hated, not because he was bad, but because he was good. And that's a reaction against the truth of the gospel. I guess that's what we're seeing these days, hey? We're seeing people have a total misunderstanding of what the gospel is. And there is, these days, a real um, reaction against Christians, against Christ, against the Bible. Christianity is under attack. Christ followers are under attack. We're under the microscope. What was Daniel's secret? How was it possible to be such a wise, brilliant, peaceful, confident and gracious person when evil and hostility abounds? For us, is that possible all around us? Do I display a Christ-like, spirit-filled attitude to everyone? Everyone. It's pretty easy to do it to some, isn't it? In verse 10, let me read that. So the king had issued this decree that anybody found praying to anybody apart to King Darius was... um, headed for the lion's den. So in verse 10 it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, to his God, just as he had done before just as he had done before, as he always did every day. He continued. Nothing changed. He knew this was his power. This was his fuel. This was also his character. And I guess, you know, we often might look at our own relationship with the Lord. How do we develop a relationship, an understanding, a trust loyalty, undying devotion if we don't spend time with someone, i.e. God. If we don't do that, how can we have that deep relationship? In Romans 12, you all know this verse. Romans 12, 1, uh, yeah, Romans chapter 12, you 1 to 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
And it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We've all heard that voice, verse before, I guess most of us who know the Lord have. How about we stand? Let's all stand together and, and repeat this verse. After me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You may be seated. I believe Daniel offered his Self, his body as a living sacrifice. As you read through Daniel, it's obvious he'd done that. And he was not conformed to the pattern of the world that was before him. He'd been transformed by the renewing of his mind. That's something we need to aim for. And we can only do that as, like Daniel, we spend time with God as we continue just to worship him, as we seek his will, as we pray to him on a day-by-day basis. All throughout the book of Daniel, we see he is a man of prayer. He spends time, quality time with God, and not just when things get difficult. He was consistently faithful in prayer. Daniel Daniel developed holy habits as a young teenager. He was now at the age of around 65 to 75, I believe. But he still meets with his God, not once, not twice, but three times a day. His day-by-day walk in all that he did was consistent and disciplined as he sought to be God's man in that place, as he sought to be faithful as he sought to know God's will, as he sought wisdom and guidance. So reading on from verse 11, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, That Daniel... That Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, 
He pays no attention to you, O king, or to the, the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. That Daniel, that exile, he'd only been there 50 years. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, and he made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the king went, then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So King Darius gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, may he rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Isn't it interesting? The interesting thing here is the incredible impact that Daniel and his faith had obviously made on King Darius. I guess this is Sort of the crux of the, the message today. Um, the amazing impact that Daniel had on King Darius. The king, king now had no way of getting out of this. He'd seen over time, over years, that Daniel's faith was very real, that he served his God faithfully and with honour. The respect and high esteem he held for Daniel is very obvious. Daniel's day-by-day walk with God was not scoffed at or ridiculed by the king at all. Now it says the king was greatly distressed and he made every effort, every effort he could to somehow reverse that decision. And then, interesting that when he said to Daniel, he said, may your God, whom you serve continually, may he rescue you. This was, I guess, a last straw. There was nothing else. But the king knew that Daniel worshipped God and he'd seen his faith in action. And he said, Daniel, I'm praying that your God will rescue you. And he spent that night, he had no dinner. Usually he'd have the TV on watching uh, 
What, the footy David or something? Um, no musicians, nothing. No entertainment, no amusement, nothing to eat. He couldn't sleep. Can it be that you and I can get that close emotionally to an unbeliever? Can it be that we can form a friendship, a kinship that can be developed, a really deep respect, even a love for one another? Is that possible? I believe it is. But how often do we see it that close? So Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. Didn't he? Yeah. There he is. Doesn't look that worried in that image. The the lions look quite placid, don't they? I love these images, these two images. Was Daniel afraid? Well, these images portray that he wasn't, and I don't think he was. Do you know, the king was petrified. He'd spent a terrible night. He'd spent a shocking night. Let me read on. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, soon as it got slightly light, it was the morning, the king got up. He rushed down to the lion's den in his PJs and his slippers. He couldn't get there quick enough. And he came down to the den and he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able to save you from the lions? And he waited. I wonder how long he waited. I wonder whether Daniel just kept quiet for a bit. I don't think he did. So I love this bit. Daniel answered, O king, live forever. See the honour there that he placed on the king himself. O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor... Have I ever done any wrong before you, O king? The king was overjoyed. He was over the moon. He'd spent such a terrible night. And he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the lion's den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. 
What an incredible outcome. Daniel was unharmed. His faith in his God was vindicated. The king was overjoyed. He was flabbergasted because he'd witnessed the power and the majesty of Daniel's God. He acknowledged the God of Israel as the true and living God. Let me read on. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, all the nations and men of every language throughout that land. You saw that map there before, huge area. And he sent out this decree. He said, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. This is coming from an ungodly king. He is a living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. You know, just another point which just came to me just then as I was reading that, um, that massive area which was controlled by the Medes and Persians, that decree went out right through that whole area. Worship the God of Daniel. Worship the living God. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? Amazing. You know, Daniel is a type of... Christ, of Jesus Christ. He's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was hated by many. He was set up and he was tried on false charges, just as Daniel was. He was sentenced to death, as was Daniel. But God intervened. Jesus rose from the dead. The power of sin and death was broken. Now, there's a sobering truth in all this. And in verse 24, which we skipped over, but we're going back to there. It says, At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. You know, there's a huge, huge column of people all around us on a similar path heading on a similar path, not knowing the fate that awaits them. How are we engaging with our neighbours, our family, our colleagues at work and play? Is our faith like Daniel's? Is it pure and sure? Is it calm and measured? Is it steadfast and unwavering? 
there will be those who are not interested at all, who actually choose darkness over light. That is a choice they make. However, there are many who, like King Darius, who have been brought up in an entirely different world and are just totally ignorant of the fact that they are loved and highly, highly valued by God himself. What are they seeing in us? You know, you say, oh, I can't be a Daniel. I'm too busy. You know, these days we have so many priorities, don't we? You know, I believe that's a ploy of Satan to keep us busy. And we are so busy. It's the culture of this world. It leaves us with little time for God. And I don't believe that's the way God intended us to live. You know, Daniel found time three times a day to spend time with his God. We get ambushed, we get sidetracked, and then we lose focus. We get focused on the here and now. You know, God says, be still. He calls us to be still. To be still and know that I am God. I believe that was Daniel's secret. He took the time to be still, to spend time with God. And he knew God in a very, very real way. The Spirit of God indwells us as he did Daniel. You know, Christianity is under attack. The mere mention of God nowadays draws very sad and angry responses. Traditional family values have been seriously eroded. Our kids and our grandchildren are being groomed to believe that anything goes. What is right and wrong these days? Seems they no longer matter or right and wrong don't exist for some. It's whatever you want to do or be is acceptable. Satan is having a field day. Do we throw up our hands in despair? Are we dismayed and disheartened by all, all we see? The Bible tells us to expect this. It does. So do we expect it to get any better? Look, it probably won't. It probably won't. The Bible tells us to expect this. And as Daniel was confident in God, are we? Are we faithful in our service and devotion to him? Are we confident and secure in him? Are we at peace despite the turmoil? Do we come across as calm and measured in our day-by-day contact with all people? If we come across as angry and disheartened and I guess it can be easy to get angry with what's going on. 
and with what people say. I guess we need to look at how Daniel's life panned out. The the, um, relationship he had with King Darius was only because of his constant walk with God. Are we calm and measured in our day-by-day contacts with all people? Are we spending quality time with God where we can be lifted, encouraged, comforted by his spirit, receiving instruction from his spirit? Where we're walking, walking, walking and talking and listening to God so that we're ready to act, we're ready to speak when the time comes. You know, Daniel was at peace despite the hardship, despite the turmoil, despite everything that was thrown at him. Let me read again. Romans 12, 1-2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we admit we fail you time again, time and time again. Lord, we seek your forgiveness in that we don't spend the time we should with you. We desire a relationship with with you, but most of the time we just want it coming from one way. Pray that you will help us, Lord, to give our hearts, our minds, our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. After all, this is an act of worship to you because of who you are, because of what you've done for us. Lord, that we don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might throw off so much that holds us back, that we might realise that time is important. Help us to understand and realise that Satan steals our time. He takes our time so that our priorities get all screwed up. Lord, we ask you to forgive us that we don't spend that time with you. Lord, we seek your help to remind us constantly that we might be devoted to you, 
we might get on our knees more often. We might learn from you. We might hear from you. We might listen to you. Lord, that we might be effective as Daniel was in our day-to-day walk as we relate to people. As people ask us questions. We thank you so much for your patience with us, Lord, and your love for us. We don't deserve it, but we thank you. We lift your name high now, and we ask these things in your name. Amen.